Colossians chapter number 3, the third chapter, amen. amen. Verse 15, let, and let the word of God rule in your hearts to which also you're called in one body and be thankful. Amen, that's your governing, amen, a governor in your hearts. Amen, like a rudder on a boat, the peace of God. Amen, if you can do it, with the peace of God, I guess do it. There's a lot of people that get off into sin. I just don't think the peace of God's there. I don't even think God's there. Amen. The thing I'm amazed about in my Christianity is all the things that people got liberty to do that God convicts me and tells me no. Amen. Is God contradictive? I've seen men lay sin on the altar. <laughs> I've watched preachers pick it up and walk out with it. One guy get convicted by having a fuzz buster in his car and he laid on the altar and another preacher picked it up. <laughs> so he's going to go out and speed. I think, wow, what? <laughs> man, ain't that amazing? Amen. I guess you ain't got no conviction about it. Okay, well. Hello, you with me? Amen. Amen. Listen, I, I, this upsets me sometimes. I just I can't understand that, why people say they got liberty to go out and they don't even see it sin. The Holy Ghost untold me. Boy, it's wrong. You need to quit it. And then you got to confess it. You got to get it right. And other people just press on like, oh, it's part of my life. Holy Ghost, don't bother me. I say, he don't bother you. Huh. Amen. I think I think he's pretty. I think he's. I think he's uh, pretty active in my life. Amen. I just don't understand how people can that he don't deal with them in their life. Things go on sin. No questions asked. I don't know that bothers me. Amen. Things I say bothers me. Things I think bother me. Things I see people do bother me. None of that happened before I got saved. I was like an old dog laying on roadkill, just wallowing in it. And then all of a sudden I got saved. God said, uh-uh, uh-uh. Amen. The Lord knows if I even start thinking that direction, the Holy Ghost going, uh-uh, uh-uh. I don't understand why people don't have that little warning thing going off in their life. He's, he's I don't know. I, maybe he's put me on a different ground. I don't know. But I'm very sensitive to that. Amen. Amen. I've been driving down the road and the Holy Ghost said, turn around and go witness that guy. And I tried to fight it off and then all of a sudden I'm, turn the car and my wife's going, where are you going? I said, God told me to go witness that guy. I said, that guy's sitting on the curb. I got to go talk to him. <laughs> hey, sir, I was passing by, seeing you sitting here. And God told me to come by and talk to you tonight about the Lord. Listen, I don't know about you, but stuff like that gets a hold of me. I got to obey God. Amen. Amen. I, don't, I don't know where that comes from, but. He's in there, and he said, there's a guy sitting on the side of the road, and I got your attention. You've seen him. Go talk to him now. You know where I'm heading? I don't care where you're heading. You know where I'm going? You know where he's going? He's going to hell. Yeah. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, you've got to be sensitive to that thing. I just don't understand. The Holy Ghost burdened me and bothered me about stuff. The Holy Ghost woke me up in the middle of the night and told me to go take care of things. <laughs> My wife's gotten home, and she said, I got to go back to church. I got to talk so and so. You know, I said, okay, go talk so and so. <laughs> what? The Holy Ghost talks to us about stuff. Amen. I don't know about you, but He talks to me. And to let the peace of God rule my heart. I want the peace of God ruling my heart. Listen, when I'm, when I'm studying a sermon, man, I, I don't want somebody's face in my mind. I'm getting a hold of God. God, I need, I, need to, I need to preach tonight. The Lord said, no, you got to go get right. I said, Lord, but I got to get a sermon. No, you got to go get right. Lord, you don't understand. I got to feed. You got to go call somebody. You got to go see somebody. You got to take care of that. Listen, I, that's sensitivity to God. You got to let the peace of God rule in your heart. You understand what I'm saying? I just don't know how some people just go on and live in sin and waller in sin and run with people that do. And I don't know. They've done something. They've seared their conscience with a hot iron or they're not saved, one or the other. Amen. They say, well, don't bother me, preacher. Whew, man. Amen. I mean, how can you sit? In, how can you sit in a bar, shoot pull, jamming on the devil's music, drinking the devil's poison, dancing with the devil's women, and then not bother you? Right? I mean, I don't know how a Christian can sit in a chair and get tattooed up when the Bible says not to do it, and they're supposed to have the Holy Ghost in there, and they're going to be putting stuff on their body, and God says not to do it. Well, I'm not convicted about it, preacher. The Bible said, "Don't mark your flesh." You know, I just don't understand that. I don't think Jesus would be impressed with me putting a cross on my arm. You think, you think he'd be impressed with that? John 3, 16. 
AV 1611. Huh? You think he, you think, listen, I seen a Christian, a professing Christian come walking in wearing a Budweiser coat, said the King of Beers on it. You think Jesus is excited about somebody wearing a King of Beers coat? Uh, somebody goes to Independent Baptist Church? You think the Holy Ghost? Listen, that, that, that'd run me nuts. The King of Kings. And then when I get to thinking about the King of Beers, and the Bible talks about in Revelation 16, three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the beast, the false prophet, and, and the devil. And Budweiser has billboards with three unclean frogs talking. Now I'm going. And those three frogs go to the kings of the earth. Budweiser is the king of the earth. She's the king of the beers. And I'm thinking, man, I wouldn't touch that thing. I wouldn't get near that thing. But Christians, we had a little boy come walking in here with mom and daddy. And he had a shirt on and said, The Dark Knight. You know who the Dark Knight is? It's Satan. Right? Satan represents the, the man of sin, son of perdition. Technically, it's Batman. His beautiful color is black. But the Dark Knight, that's who it's And they got videos out there, the Dark Knight rising and all that stuff. But a little kid comes in wearing all that. And I'm going, where's mom and daddy's head at? I got my mom mad at me years ago. He said, where's this going? I was talking about peace. My mom, kids were born. She said, you mind if I buy them toys? I said, I don't care as long as I, you pass them by me and I pass my approval. Oh, she went through the roof. What do you mean? I said, there's so much Satanism and Satanic stuff in toys. I just don't want you to buy them stuff and then present it to them and then I got to take it away from them because it's Satanic. Well, you don't, you don't trust me to buy it? Sure enough, she went and bought Gabriel's little racetrack. I said, Satanism all through it. I said, I can't do that. You understand what I'm saying? You say, why? Listen, a lot of those toys, a lot of kids' cartoons, parents have no idea what they're sitting down what, letting their kids watch Nickelodeon shows and all that other kind of stuff. And, and the, the Satanism that's in the toys. You see where Hannah Montana's at tonight? All these parents, I wonder how many of these parents had Hannah Montana and toys and things all through their house and then see where she's at today. She was raised in a Southern Baptist home. Most raunchy singer there is out there. I'm telling you, we got to be careful. And I said, I'm not going to let Listen, I seen a book years ago, and I listened to a show with Marlon Maddox on it. He's dead and gone to be with the Lord. And he had a show called Turmoil in a Toy Box. And I said, hmm, wow. I didn't know all that. You know that uh, Jerry Falwell... Uh, promoter of the New King James Bible and stuff like that, wound up taking Baptist off his university's name, called it Liberty University instead of Liberty Baptist University. And he began to backslide and get farther and farther and farther away from God. He got up and preached against Teletubbies. Yeah. You know who Teletubby is? They're some little toys. And he said it was the gay's mascot. And then he got up and he recanted over that. What? And you know what he did to, to prove that he recanted? To proof of his repentance? He invited a head sodomite in with 200 other people with him and allowed that sodomite to preach in his pulpit. You know where Jerry Falwell's at tonight, don't you? He's dead with a lot of burned-up works he's going to face in the judgment seat of Christ. When Jerry Falwell started out, his wife wouldn't let him leave the house without 2 or $3 in his pocket because he'd give everything away trying to reach sinners for Jesus. He started out right. Somebody got to him and corrupted him. Amen? I'm just telling you we've got to be careful. What do you got to do? You got to let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Amen. Amen. I don't see how somebody could have the peace of God ruling in their heart when they should be in church listening to the preacher sitting at a Browns game or a Bengals game. I just don't, I just don't know how, how stand they can miss church and go do something like that. Amen. Love not the world, the things of the world. I could probably do it, but I tell you what, I'd be the most miserable person in the world. The Holy Ghost would be grieved. You can sin and get by. The Holy Ghost will let you sin. But <laughs> you may lose what you had. You may get what you want, but you may lose what you had. And I, I tell you, I want the peace of God to rule my heart. Amen. Amen. I, the last person I want to offend in this world is the Holy Ghost. Yeah. And so i got to let the peace of God rule in my heart. Amen. To which also you're called in one body, be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. That's fully, abundantly. Amen. In all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another how. And psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Now listen, that's an excellent verse to show a church of Christ. 
A church of Christ believes that water baptism saves you, which we know we can argue there. But they also believe in playing no musical instruments in their church. But you go to the book of Psalms. They say, well, that's all Old Testament. Psalms is a New Testament. It's an Old Testament book with New Testament promise that I'm supposed to go there and I'm supposed to sing those songs. And in those Psalms, it talks about singing to the Lord with, with instruments, amen, of ten strings, making uh, a loud noise, playing skillfully, and cymbals and organs and stringed instruments. That's a string instrument right there. Amen. That's a string instrument of six strings. I don't know if we got anything with 12 strings on. And then they got harps. Amen. And then trumpets and cornets and tabrets, which are probably tambourines. And the Bible says they played loud. God wants a loud noise. Amen. So I'd show Church of Christ won that one. Amen. I had a, I had a cow. Uh, was it a Church of Christ? I had, I had somebody I was dealing with, a Church of Christ or a Calvinist. And I said, y'all, I think it was Calvin. I said, y'all sing Amazing Grace in your church? He said, yeah. I said, why? Yeah. I said, what's so amazing about your grace? There's nothing amazing about grace, for God forcing you to make a, a profession of faith. The Holy Ghost putting you in a headlock and forcing you to get saved, knocking you out of a chair, telling you to repent. I said, there ain't nothing amazing about that grace. Amen. <laughs> Listen, right there. What's so amazing about... The grace of God in the church of Christ's life. Nothing. Because ultimately it's not admitting, it's not believing, it's not confessing, it's not being baptized, it's not keeping the commandments. It's you living it. Salvation is based upon you and how you live. Not how he lived and what he done. Amen. But what do you got to do? You got to sing psalms. And then what? Hymns. Amen. We got a bunch of hymns right here. There's just three hymn books. Some of them may have similar songs, but they got different songs in it. And then we got two other hymn books over here. A bunch of songs about one man and what he did in his lifetime and how he's blessed their soul since they've been saved. Changed their life, gave them victory when they was going through despair and doubt and trouble and tragedy and calamities. God turned around and gave them a song in the night. Weeping may endure for a night. But joy cometh in the morning. And they'd get a song and they'd sing about the deliverance and the freedom and the joy that God would put in their hearts. And it's inspired and helped and blessed others. Boy, God bless the songwriters. Fanny, Fanny Crosby. Amen. Blessed Redeemer. Or Blessed Assurance. Right? She sings over that. Oh, what a foretaste. Glory divine. Visions of rapture now burst on my sight. That's pretty something amazing for a blind woman to sing that, ain't it? She said, they said, you want to be able to see Fanny? She said, no, the first thing I want to see is Jesus. Amen. <laughs> That's pretty good. She wrote him. She was, she's a 21st century psalm writer, poem, or hymn writer. Amen. God uses him. Then spiritual songs. You say, what is that? That's contemporary music today with Pentecostal worship leaders. No, that ain't. I'm talking about spiritual song. Listen, there are spiritual songs. There are people writing songs today that are beautiful. Gary Duty was one of the best songwriters there was until he went heretical. Amen. He went into hyper-dispensationalism and got away from things and left a good old-fashioned church. And since then, he hasn't really wrote done much. But before then, when he was right, Sign Doctrine was putting out some beautiful songs. Some of the songs my kids sing from Gary Duty that he wrote. Gabriel was singing one the other night about, uh, is the blood still there? Amen. Gary Duty struggled with eternal security and about being saved. And he wrote that song about the blood still there. The winds have come, the storms come, but the blood's still there. Amen. It doesn't matter. Amen. That little lamb was shed for that little Jewish boy. And, and that little Jewish boy was nervous about the death angel coming over and passing over. And he said, son, don't worry. The blood's on the door and it's there to stay. <laughs> and the wind and water and rain won't wash it away. Praise God. There's some great songs that people sing today. Amen. There are spiritual songs. Amen. But I don't think Christianity ought to take songs and use rock and roll music to it. Tim Hawkins wrote some good songs, some neat songs, like the government can, using the song Candyman. Amen. Anybody heard the Candyman by Sammy Davis Jr.? Yeah, well, he, Tim Hawkins took that song and wrote the government can. Amen. And he's talking about, how's it go? Who can take your money? Yeah, 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 that's pretty good. Amen. He, he took that tune. Listen, he's taken several tunes and he's wrote some songs. But uh, 
Yeah, and I, I just tell you, I can't handle some of that stuff. Some of it's funny, some of it's good, but then some of it, they go too far. And uh, I just, I have trouble with that. Rock music is exactly what it is, is what? Rock music. Amen? And throw a Jesus word in or two, and that's about all you get. And a bunch of them go, Jesus, and they repeat the same chorus about 20 times, okay? That's, that's not really gospel singing. That's not really a spiritual song. And they get them all worked up into a frenzy. I don't understand it. I've watched Benny Hinn, and I've watched a bunch of these people. They're all singing, and they got 40,000 people. They're all plugged in, swaying. They're all, something, something about that. Like Just like when they get in a rock concert, all of a sudden they're plugged in. And they're all, they're all on the same thing. I go, you know how many Baptist camp meetings I've been in and you can't get one of them to, to do the same thing? Huh? They're, they're out left field. They're, all, they're, they're not with it. I mean, independent Baptists, ain't nothing. they're so independent they can't even get together and worship together. But you turn on a charismatic thing, you're all plugged in. <laughs> right? Hello? Right? Amen. I mean, they're all locked in. 30,000 of them. You go to an independent Baptist church. Their people are talking, you know. They're, they're, they, ain't, they ain't plugged in, man. I mean, they're, they're unhinged. They're unhooked. They don't know how to get plugged in on the same wavelength. Amen? I don't understand it. All the children of God are... I ain't plugged in the children of the devil. It look like windshield wipers in the church. <laughs> Amen. I wish we had that unity. Amen. And they do sing some good songs. They do love the Lord and worship the Lord. But uh, in the end, they're messed up on the Holy Ghost. They're messed up on the Word of God. They're messed up on the signs and wonders. But uh, if they believe in the shed blood of Jesus Christ to wash away their sin and trust His sacrifice, they can get saved. I know somebody got saved listening to Dwight Thompson. And Dwight Thompson's part of all that junk. But Dwight Thompson, I've seen him sit there and preach and said, you've got to be washed in the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And you must trust his substitutionary atonement. I thought, that's pretty good teaching. That's pretty good preaching. I heard, I heard, I heard uh, uh, some, seen some people getting saved listening to Jimmy Swagger. Jimmy Swagger took him to Romans chapter number 10. Thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus. I believe in thine heart. God raised from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. And I've seen people down there weeping and crying, pouring their heart out, trusting the Lord Jesus Christ their Savior. Praise God. But on a bunch of all that other stuff, he's messed up. Amen. He may get some in, but then he gets a bunch of them messed up. Amen. He's got a bunch of false doctrine and there's a bunch of things. I can't yoke up with that. Amen? That's why I can't go fellowship with certain people. I just can't yoke up with their false doctrine. Amen? I like what Tex Marr said, and there's a lot of things I don't like Tex Marr saying. But Tex Marr said this about Billy Graham. He said, well, can somebody get saved to Billy Graham crusade? He said, a few. He said, but the devil don't mind giving you a few if he can damn a multitude. Amen? Billy Graham, you come down, you see a bunch of people walking the aisles in the Billy Graham crusade. Those are, those are workers. Those, those are people that's coming out of, the, out of the place. They're trying to set people up and encourage people to walk. And so they'll start out from the top and they'll come walking down the aisles. And most of them are workers coming down the aisles to try to spawn somebody else to get up out of their seat and come. Amen. You think thousands are coming to Jesus Christ and there's thousands of workers coming to the front. And then when they come down and they say, hi, how are you doing? And they said, how can I help you? What are you? And what background you got? So well, I'm a Roman Catholic. And he said, well, there's a priest. And they'll send them to a priest. And right here, Church of Christ, okay, we've got Church of Christ Counselor right over here. What are you? Episcopalian, okay, we're over here. Jehovah Witness, we've got one over here. A Mormon, okay, we've got three over here. They're ecumenical. Sends them right back to the churches they're coming out of, and you know what? They don't get them saved. So, would some get saved? Some might. But you've got to be careful. You've got to be careful. That's why I don't yoke up with that stuff. Because I'm not going to hold hands with all those mixed religions in the name of Jesus. Amen, because a bunch of them worship a false Jesus. A bunch, a bunch of them have false plans for salvation. And uh, they can say some things. So we've got to be careful. And so we have, uh, but some of them will sing good songs. I seen a Billy Graham crusade right after the wall went down in Ukraine, in Romania, in Germany. And uh, over there in the Ukraine, Billy Graham got up to preach, and Johnny Erickson Tata sang, It is well, my soul, oh, my soul. That, that woman that had a diving accident got saved. She broke her neck. A beautiful lady sang, I mean, with a touch of God all over her. And uh, Billy Graham preached on Galatians 6.14. I will glory save in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. Wow. 
God forbid that I should glory saving the cross, the Lord Jesus Christ. And he preached on glorying in the cross. And why? And he said, because of sin. Man, he prayed, wow, where'd this guy, where's this guy been hiding? And he got up and preached. 50,000 people sitting outside in the stadium watching him on a huge, giant screen. Man, he preached. But I don't know what happened to the invitation. I don't know where. It could have went haywire or whatever. But he preached a good message, and he preached about sin and the blood and the cross. I said, wow. Amen. But I ain't, you ain't heard him preach on the radio around here like that, have you? Amen. You got to beware when all men speak well of you. How can a man, an evangelist, supposed to be America's evangelist, have a star in Hollywood up there on Hollywood Boulevard? How can the world accept you if you're really a man of God? Something to think about, ain't it? He's got a star in Hollywood up there, wherever that boulevard where they put all the stars. They got Billy Graham up there. A 33-degree mason. Something to think about. Kenneth Copeland, 33-degree mason. Pat Robertson, 33-degree mason. Robert Shuler, 33-degree mason. Oily Roberts, 33-degree mason. Something about all that, all them guys being masons. And then when you put them in with likes of Jesse Jackson, a 33-degree mason. Mikhail Gorbachev, 33-degree mason. Tony Blair, 33-degree mason. Barack Obama, 32nd-degree mason. Hmm. Saddam Hussein, a 33-degree mason. I think we got a little club going on, don't we? All these people that's in power, they got a little club. You want to succeed in this life, you want to have a television, you want to get somewhere, you got to go through the Masons. Hmm. That counts for Christians. You said, really? That's a, you, you, somebody's just saying that. Well, go ahead. The, one of the book that I've seen to prove that Kenneth Copeland was, he had a book about something about Christianity. He had a compass in a square on the front cover of a magazine, on, on the front cover of his book. Why would he have a compass in a square on there? So he can deceive Christians or he can tell everybody, hey, I'm a Mason. Some crazy things, ain't it? So we got to be careful. You're mixing Christianity with all that junk. And so I, I like spiritual songs. But there are certain places I, I can't go there. I can't yoke up with that. I just can't go that direction. And there's a bunch of Christians that embrace it. And they love Jesus. So listen, when I got right with God... Uh, in 1985, I had some contemporary Christian music. There were some songs that I got from a young kid that, that I thought they were pretty good by Dallas Home and Praise. And one of them was, hey, I'm a believer now. And well, I, was, I was enjoying that stuff as a young Christian. I was leaving all that kind of music and stuff, and I was listening to some songs uh, that was trying to encourage me. I listened to some contemporary music. But as I grew in the Lord, I had to put that stuff away. When I was a child, I spake as a child, thought as a child. When I came a man, I put away childish things. Listen, you just got to be careful of the music you're listening to and make sure that it's glorifying and it's, and it's godly and that God honors that thing. Listen, I've been in meetings and all of a sudden somebody get a little wild, a little contemporary, and all of a sudden they all get picked up and they get in the flesh. I mean, right now. He said, where was that? Down at Dollywood. Dollywood's supposed to be a Christian amusement park, isn't it? Dollywood's supposed to be a Christian, isn't she? You know what's kind of funny is when you go walking through Dollywood and she's got all this stuff up and she's got gospel singers and gospel music and she's doing things trying to talk to you about her old gospel kind of stuff and then we go through this uh, museum they got to set aside about Dolly's life and you walk in and there's Dolly on the cover of Playboy magazine. I said, isn't that a nice Christian thing to just have sticking in her museum? She made it on Hugh Hefner's magazine and there she is. She's a Christian and she's posing on... Her picture's on Playboy. You think that's kind of glamorous? You think that's, what kind of Christianity is that? But we went in a couple of them places in theaters and some of them people were singing songs. And, and uh, the thing is, they sing both sides. They'll sing country and they'll sing a bunch of other stuff and then they'll sing gospel music. See, they swing both ways. Why? Because there's money in that. Did you notice that a bunch of country stars all grew up singing in church? And a bunch of them country stars like to sing gospel music to sucker into worldly Christians? Because the worldly Christians are the ones who got the money. They're paying big money to, to live a borderline Christian life. Hello? Amen. Did you know a bunch of those singers, amen, those so-called gospel singers have been saying, smoking cigarettes and drinking booze and whoremongering with women? But yet they go to concert halls and sing, but they wouldn't darken the church and, and hear preaching. There's a bunch of them singers who never listen to preaching. 
Amen. And when it comes time to hearing preaching, they conveniently don't show up to hear preaching. There's a bunch of those entertainers that go sing Christian songs will never sit let somebody preach the hell out of them. He didn't say go ye in all the world sing the gospel. And when they're out there on them buses and running around, they ain't got time for old-fashioned church. Amen. That's why I want people that love God, they live it, and they sit, and they're in preachers' homes, and they, they love preaching, and they love meetings like that. And we may sing some of the songs those people sang, but I'm telling you, their lives are out of line with the gospel. And a lot of those people that's on the Gaither trios thing, or the Gaither shows, there's a bunch of them that's living like hell. And then they all get together, I love to, tears roll down their eye. They're professional entertainers. There's some of them that's saved. But I'm telling you, a bunch of them are all professional entertainers singing God's songs. You know what Amy Grunt said? I mean, Grant? They asked her if she was a Christian. She said, no, I'm not a born-again Christian. She said, but it was a good market, and I got into it. A good market to get. And, and she said this years ago. I don't know where she's changed or not. But they asked her who her heroes were, her idols were. She said, Prince and Cindy Lauper. And I, I've seen pictures of Amy Grant singing, and she's got pentagram stars on her wrist. Something ain't right with all that. You want some truths about Christian music and Christian music, uh, rock music and stuff like that? Get on Dial of Truth website and look up some stuff they got about contemporary Christian music. It'll blow you away some of the things that you'll see that's going on in this contemporary Christian movement. And people sit back and they don't like it because their idols get kicked. And some people say, well, it's not quite rock and roll. Well, Striper's full-blown rock and roll. Yep. And men are looking like rock singers and they went on a rock tour with Wasp we are sexual perverts, or wasp, we are Satan's people, and they look just about the same, and they went on a thing called Heaven and Hell Tour. And the thing is, is they had uh, New Testaments and stuff that they would throw out into the crowd at the teenagers, and they had uh, over there, uh, I forget what verse it was, Isaiah 53 something, they, they had verses of Scripture on New Testaments that they're throwing out there. So I guess that makes them spiritual because they threw a New Testament out in the crowd. Probably some NIV be good for toilet paper. Hello? Amen. 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 Take out 64,000 words and change words and make Jesus Christ to be uh, out to be the devil in Isaiah 14 or the devil out to be the bright morning star. Amen. Listen, making Jesus out to be a sinner? That ain't good book. Amen. Listen, people, but people want to accept it. When it comes to music, it seems like that's a universal language and people seem to like the devil's music. And somehow the, the people like to boogie. You, you want to have fun? Anybody get on YouTube? What's Kevin's thing? Kevin on stage. Kevin on stage. You want to have fun? Get on Kevin on stage. Amen. He's a neat fella. And uh, he, he turns around and he puts stuff up. And uh, he starts showing all these people getting down and dancing in church. Now instead of having worship and praise singing, now we got worship dancers. Wow. And they got all these worship dancers. <laughs> And some of them got strip models up there dancing. And they're showing their underwear and all this other kind of stuff while they're dancing. And one guy, he's a dancing all over the church, man. And he's the next thing you know, he's doing flips, comes all the way down, crashes in the communion table, makes a big old mess. People dancing all over the place. I mean, they're boogie-woogie. He's got one on why black churches' services are so long. You will laugh your head off. And I'm not laughing at the blacks. I'm laughing with them. And I'm laughing with Kev on stage. And uh, they'll be going along, and he says, praise break. And then he starts showing all these people, they're dancing all over the place. And he said, and he said every time they turn around, they got a praise break. And they take up an offering, they got a praise break. Amen. And uh, they, they, they sing a song, and they got a praise break. And I mean, they, he said, that's why the service is so long. they got all these praise breaks. And man, he is showing you video footage after video after footage after video footage of all these people dancing and going crazy in the church. I mean, some of them look like they got plugged into 220 and don't know how to get off that electric. I mean, they, they're going to town. Amen. But I'm telling you, they got, they got sensual dancers going on in churches now. They said they had a girl come in and do a strip tease in one church. I'm telling you, that's how bad it's getting. And I mean, they are rock and roll and, and this hip-hop music and that vulgar culture and all that stuff and all this rap stuff, and they're bringing it into churches. I'm telling you, it's wicked. God's not in it. God's not rapping. God's not rocking. Amen, amen, amen. And uh, we got to be careful. Man, God, spiritual songs. You know, you know what Marvin Clant said years ago, and I never thought about that. Marvin Clant's with the Lord now. 
And he says a lot of these Christians will go down to some of these recording studios and they record music. And they got lost people, professional lost people playing their music. He said, God ain't on that. God's anointing is not on them lost people playing our songs. And Christians going down there and having lost people playing their songs. I'd like to say this too. I've gone to churches and I've been in the meetings. And this is for you two people out there. I've been in churches and I know you have too. That when you go to church and you hear somebody come in, they'll sing and it's beautiful. And I mean, it's good. It's, it's a blessing. And you might even hit the altar. You might even cry and God may even use them. And you go over and you buy all their music. And you got five or six cassettes and CDs you done, you done bought and purchased and now you're going to get in the car and all of a sudden you plug it in and it's like, what on earth? Where'd that come from? Next thing you know, they got drums and rock and roll music and everything blasting and pounding. And, and you just didn't do that in the church an hour ago. And there's a bunch of so-called Christians, even independent Baptist Christian people, that turn around and, and when I get their music, it ain't what they displayed in church. Because they won't allow them to play it singing in church, but they put it on the music because they think that's what's going to help sell the music. I can't handle it. I've heard people try to sing Amazing Grace to drums and everything else, and it driving and pounding and jamming. Flip that out the window. I don't care who's singing it. I don't care how great the preacher is with his kids. I was in a camp meeting one time, and uh, there's a man uh, got up there to sing, and the next day his daughter's come in, his daughter's dressed up, I mean, looked like a, a glowing red Chevy Corvette. And she's up there with this big old giant red guitar, and she's all painted up. And they're going to start to sing, and she is all of a sudden all punked out. The day before, she looked godly. The next day, she goes, uh-oh, this girl's ready to go to Las Vegas and jam. And next thing you know, I go, God ain't nowhere around this thing. Some ain't right about that. Where Christians are playing the devil's music to God's songs, something ain't right with that. I'm talking about rock music with Christian lyrics. Something ain't right. We got to be careful. We got to screen our music. Listen, I'm a pastor. I believe in pastoral authority. Amen. I believe in screening music. Because you know what? People turn around and they'll throw one in on you. Amen. I sat in a church down in Mississippi. Amen. And uh, one of the most embarrassing things you've ever seen in your life. Preacher was just calling up people. He had no idea what they're going to do. And this woman comes up in a red, white striped dress. She's got these high heels about that tall. She's painted up like a 57 Chevy. And uh, she comes walking up and she slips in a tape. And all of a sudden, this rock music got to go and got to boogie, and she's doing this up there, and she's swaying her hips, and she's going like this, and you ought to see this bald-headed preacher there. I mean, he got embarrassed, and his, his, his head was glowing brighter than an Ohio State red jersey. Wow. And she's going like this, and I'm going to chase the devil out of you, and she did this and did, did this little slinky, winky, dinky thing, right, pointed at him. I'm telling you, that guy was so embarrassed. The church lost, I'm telling you, it was bad. And I was mad. Oh, I was mad. Oh, I was fuming. I was the only one probably didn't have a smile on my face in that church. And when I got up, they didn't know what to do when I got up. And I began to start preaching. Hello? Amen. I went, I went to his church after they moved, after their church was sold, and, and I went to their church, and they brought in a former associate pastor and his wife, and they brought in a bunch of this music. And everybody's looking at me. Yeah. I'm telling you, I'm sitting there as a preacher, sitting there, and I'm, I'm listening to the music, and every person in that church was turning their head to look at me to see my response to that music. They wanted to know what I thought about it. And I just sat there. I didn't join in. I didn't clap. All of a sudden, that whole place, it's like I pulled a plug on it. I was at that preacher's church after I preached down there when he pastored another church. Went over there. My wife and I went. They went to a gospel singing. That gospel singing was nothing more than a rock and roll fest. It was pitiful. It was bad. I couldn't, I, I just, I had about all I could stand. I look at the wife. I said, you ready to go? And when I turned to look at her, I looked over here, and there's teenagers necking in the church. What? I said, oh, man. So I got up to leave. It was the will of God that I was leaving. And when I got up to leave, I was walking out to the car. And I opened up the door to the car. 
And I was letting my wife in, and this lady come running, crying, bawling, screaming. She said, Brother Cliff, Brother Cliff, Brother Cliff. And she, she about tackled me. She said, this morning when you preached on hell, she said, all I could do was I was sitting in my chair at home, and I thought I was going to burn and slip off into hell. I'm going to hell. i got to get saved. And I opened up the door, and I said, Miss Vicky, get in here and lead this woman to the Lord. And then the preacher came out. And he said, you're leaving without tell, telling me goodbye? I said, yeah, brother. I said, i got to go. Amen. I wasn't going to try and go in there and split his church and all that. He's a great friend. But they got bad music. They got bad music. Amen. They got a drum set in there. I ain't never heard Amazing Grace with drums before, but I'm telling you there, it's, it's bad, man. It's bad. It's bad. I've seen people get saved there. I've seen some things happen. Listen, church has gone out of the banks with their music. And uh, we've got to be careful. You said, where's the line? I don't know. There's somewhere a line between left and right. I don't know where that line's exactly at, so I kind of stay over here. It's kind of middle right, conservative. I know I'm safe over here. I don't want to go to dead orthodoxy, but somewhere there's lively music. There's a difference between lively music and rock music. There's something, something about God being on something and God not being on something. And I'm real careful. I just don't know where that boundary's at, so I play it safe. I was listening to Dr. Ruttman the other day, and I can't figure out what he says about music, but he understands, and he knows music, and he knows the beats, and he knows all that other kind of stuff, and I try to listen to him, and he'll do something, and he can show how they can change a beat. My little brain can't pick up stuff on music. For some reason, it's like somebody speaking Chinese, and uh, he shows how they get it off beat and how they're doing different things. There's a bunch of Christian music that's like that. They change that beat, and they get that satanic beat in there. I can't, I can't discern it. When it comes to music, I have no discernment other than I know what's good and what's God's on, and I like what God's on. And so i got to be real careful. But uh, it bothers me when people got singing, and that singing's messed up. And uh, so listen, I believe there's spiritual songs. I believe people take some spiritual songs and they allow influence to sing and put wrong music with it. We just have to be careful. You understand? We have to be careful. And that's all I'm saying about that. i got to get off that. Psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing with what? Grace. Listen, I'm trying to be gracious with some of these people that try to sing. I'd rather have somebody that can't sing, sing a song from their heart with grace to the Lord and worship the Lord than to somebody to get up and try to be professional and jam on rock music. I don't want that stuff. I ain't, I'm interested in somebody sincere and wants to sing to God. I don't care if you can sing a lick. But if you love Jesus and you want to sing Amazing Grace to Him and thankful for the Amazing Grace, sing all you want. Hallelujah. Verse 17. And whatsoever ye do. Notice the sentence is not finished, is it? In word or deed. Do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. Let me ask you a question. Can you give God thanks for Jack Daniels? Can you give God thanks for vodka, tequila, rum, wine? Lord, I thank you for this mad dog that's puke my guts out in about an hour. Lord, I got to drown my sorrows. I got so many trials. Thank you for mad dogs. Amen. And the whole time you're hugging, driving a porcelain bus. Thank you in Jesus' name. Your Bible's true. Amen. I just don't want to return to it like a dog does vomit. You can't, you can't glorify God in that, can you? Can you light up a cigarette? Say, God, I thank you for the cancer I'm about to receive. <sighs> Another nail in my casket. I thank you for that, God. <sighs> you can't do that, can you? You can't thank God for it. God, I thank you for this woman I'm fixing to lust after. I know she's going to give me AIDS and herpes and all these other sexual STDs. And I thank you for the disease you're going to give me that's going to ruin my life. You can't thank God for that, can you? Hello. God, I thank you for the lottery ticket I'm fixing to buy. Taking money off my table. Amen. Taking, robbing my wife and their children. I'm trying to gamble because I don't trust you. I want to see if I'm lucky. I'd rather be lucky than blessed any day. Man, you can't pray like that, can you? Asking God to bless that. Dear God, thank you for allowing me to steal. It's a way of form of living that I have. I, got a, I like five-finger discounts. God, I ask you to honor it. Hello? You think God's going to bless stealing? Amen. Whatsoever you do in word and deed. Can you ask God to bless your sin? No, you can't do that. Amen. But there's a bunch of people that want to pretend that sin, that God's going to overlook it because we're under grace. 
Amen. There's churches today bow their head. God bless our sodomite preacher as he opens up the devil's book because we know we're not using the King James. And God, we ask you to bless that fornicate and sodomite in our pulpit as he tries to bring us the word of God, as he bypasses all our sin so we can live any way we want to in Jesus' name. Is that the kind of prayer they had down at the altar? How do you pray and ask God to bless your sodomite preacher? How do you pray and ask God to bless your female preacher when God says a bishop should be the husband of one wife? You can't do that. Listen, whatsoever they do in word and deed. You gotta, your life's got to line up to the book. The preacher's got to line up to the book. He's talking about our lives matching the life of the book. If it's out of character, the word of God, you can't do it. So whatsoever you do in word and deed, do what? Do all the what? Whatsoever you do in word and deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks. Can you stand up and testify and give God thanks for what you're doing? pull up to a hooker on the street corner, jump in, and say, I want to pray about our business. I always ask God, whatsoever I, what I do, you know, in all my ways, acknowledge Him, and I ask Him to direct my paths. Dear God, thank you for this whore that's fixing to uh, satisfy me for the next hour or two. She didn't jump out of that car. <laughs> you couldn't pray over that, could you? Hello? Hey, Amen. Listen, how, how do you know it's wrong? You can't pray over that kind of junk. You heard about the Christian bear, didn't you? Huh? You guys hear about the Christian bear? Oh, yeah. yeah. Huh? Christian bear? This guy was out hunting, and he's walking through the woods, and a bear jumps out of the bushes and scares him. And he, he gets so startled, he drops the gun, takes off running, the bear's chasing him. And that guy's he's praying. He said, Lord, let this bear be a Christian. Lord, let this bear be a Christian. And the bear got closer and closer. He's saying, Lord, let this bear be a Christian. And the bear tackles him. And as he tackles him, the bear mounts up on him, sits over him. And he's staring at his face, and the guy's going, oh, Lord, let this bear be a Christian. Let this bear be a Christian. And that bear goes, now, Father, I do thank you for the meal that you placed before me today. <laughs> He prayed. He got his prayers answered. That bear is a Christian. That bear is a praying for food. Amen. He got it. Amen. Amen. Listen, you got to be able to pray over everything. Amen. You got to be able to honor God. What you do, does it honor God? Listen, that'll tell you. I, I just don't know how some women can go look and see a slit coming all the way up through here and look there and say, God, I know that's going to honor you is when I slither out of the house. And they walk, they walk like this because the stress is so tight. Good night. How's that honor God? You understand? Listen, people don't pray about things. That's what I'm trying to say. Whatever you do in word and deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, you are putting Jesus Christ's name, attaching it to everything we say and do. That ought to guide our steps, our thoughts, what we watch on television, where we go. Everything we do ought to be governed under this right here. Whatsoever you do in word and deed, do all in the name of the Lord, giving thanks to God the Father, what? by him. Verse 23. And whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the what? The Lord and not on the men. Heartily. Putting your heart in it. This whole chapter right here is dealing with your heart. Everything here is a heart issue. Preacher, is it right? Can you give God glory? Can you magnify the Lord in it? You can't magnify God in it and give him glory and give him thanks. It ain't right. Does the peace of God rule in your heart? Preachers, anything going wrong with the theater? Can you sit there with Jesus Christ sitting next to you and watch that video? Could Jesus Christ walk through your house? Could he play those video games you play? Could he watch the television shows that you watch? Could he see the things you view on YouTube? Can he sit there and read the books? Would you read out loud your books that you're reading to him? Listen, what's the gauge if it's right or not? Can Jesus Christ participate in it? Would you do it if he was sitting right there in the room watching you? Whoa, wow. Amen. Listen, that, he is watching. The eyes of the Lord in every place behold the evil and the good. He's watching. We just don't visibly see him all the time and out of sight, out of mind. You know what, you know what integrity is? You know what character is? Reputation is what people think of you. Character is what you are when nobody else is around. And when nobody else is around and you're locked in a room all by yourself and what you do and say and think and where you go in your mind, your thoughts and on YouTube and internet, listen, what you are in private is your true integrity. 
Do you have Christian integrity to where God would be honored and glorified by everything that you say and do? If you can't do everything to bring honor and glory to God, then don't do it. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter number 10. You want to know why people don't want to come to our church? That's the reason right there. Because these churches give them license to go out and live in the flesh any way they want us, as long as they put money in the box, the plate. I don't want to be part of anything goes Christianity. I want some fences and guidelines and boundaries and safety limits. I want that spiritual electric fence in my life. Amen? Listen, Phil Kidd preached a message years ago on a generation without guidelines. I want guidelines. He said, what's wrong? He said, preachers won't preach them anymore. Parents won't enforce them anymore. Well, I'll tell you what, that's some hard preaching. And people were getting up leaving and he said, go ahead, get out of here, you hypocrite. He said, you're a double barrel hypocrite. <laughs> that's, a, that's a tough message. He, he let it rip. He ripped one Christian man. He went over to his house. He said, hey, what's that shotgun about? He said, I'll tell you what that shotgun's about. He said, you see that dog? That dog's got papers. And she's in heat. And there ain't no mangy muck going to come over here and ruin my pedigree dog. And he turned around and he said, listen, buddy. And he stuck his finger in his face. He said, you care more about your pedigree dog than you do your daughter. He said, do you see what you let your daughter just go out with and date? That thug with green, slimy, greasy hair and teeth? <laughs> Phil Kidd let that guy have it. He cared more about his dog than he did his daughter. Yeah. There's a bunch of people like that. I thank God for a man of God that will say that kind of stuff. Verse 31, 1 Corinthians 10, 31. Whether, therefore, you eat or drink, or whatsoever you do, do all unto the glory of God giving none offense, neither to the Jews, to the Gentiles, nor to the church of God. There's a lot of people that don't include those two verses together. Giving none offense. God doesn't want you to live a life to where you offend people. Amen. Now, if the truth offends you, I'm sorry. If I offend you, I repent best I can. I don't want to be offensive, but I want to be truthful, factual. I want to preach with zeal, but I don't want to offend. Yeah. But I'm to live a life that I'm not to go around purposely offending people. Amen. And I'm not to let my liberty be evil spoken of. You understand? I have liberty. And I don't want my liberty to be a stumbling block to somebody else. He said, if meat make my brother offend, I'll eat no meat. You know what that is? That's maturity. That's thinking about somebody else. Well, bless God, I'm an American. I can do whatever I want to do. If he don't like it, he can lump it, bump it. Yeah, but what about his soul? You might have liberty to eat a ham in front of a Jew, but would you risk his soul, eternal soul on eating a piece of pork in front of him? Nope. You understand? You've got to be wise. You're trying to witness to a Hindu, a man from India. You think you ought to eat a T-bone in front of him, eat that cow? Nope. Amen. I can eat a vegetarian meal if I'm going to try to win a Hindu. The odds of me ever winning a Hindu is slim to none. Especially after I tell him a joke, why well, I know that red dot's on his wife's forehead. Amen. So what's that red dot for? He scratched it off to see what he won when he, when he married his wife. Amen. <laughs> Amen. That's a Hindu lottery. Amen. 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 Ain't it fun to have be saved and love God and make fun of other people's religions? Amen. Giving none offense, neither Jews or Gentiles, nor the church of God. Even as I please all men in all things, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many, that they might be saved. Amen. He's not talking about smoking a joint with a bunch of bums on the street to make them happy and please them so he can tell them the gospel. He's not talking about going to a booze party and as they pass around the booze, you sit around and have a few shots with them so you can open up the gospel and tell about Jesus Christ. Anyway, he's talking about. Amen. He's talking about taking advantage of the liberty that you have to get in and reach people. He's not telling me to dress as a biker so I can go reach bikers. You understand? But a lot of people think that's what that means. Go get some Christian tattoos. Grow your long, scraggly beard. Don't wash your hair for three months. 
ride around on a Harley, get a big old beer belly like them, and, and, and live as nasty and dirty as they are, and then go tell them about Jesus. They got a church like that over there, heavy metal uh, Church of Christ over here. You know what? They're getting tattoos of the Lord's Supper on their back and all this other kind of stuff. God ain't in all that stuff. That ain't what it means. To go win the Dayton Satans is don't go out there and try to look like Dayton Satans. They want somebody that's saved and genuine that's come out of all that junk. And they, they don't want Christians to be walking with them where they're at and look at them and say, what's different about you? He ain't done nothing for your life. Why would he do anything for my life? I know they don't like me. I'm too straight for them. I walk up to bikers and I say, hey, fellas, can I tell you about Jesus and I'll give you a story about a friend of mine? And they look at me like, who are you, Mr. Straight Lace, Mr. Goody Two Shoes? They don't know I was raised in a biker's bar. Hello? Amen? They don't know that's where I came from, where I wanted to go. That I, that I, I was growing up in a Harley bar and the, the rice burner bar was across the street. People don't know that. They don't know that my friends were riding Harleys and I was selling drugs and doing all that stuff. They got no idea that's where I was at. They don't know that I used to wear the leather jacket and have the, the marijuana planted leaf shirt and the marijuana shirts and all that other kind of stuff, smoking dope, going crazy, no ding on the streets. They don't know any of that. When they see me, they look like I'm out of touch. I'm out of reality. But I'm standing here as a living testimony that God brought me out of all that junk and he can bring you out too. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. He can do it. He cleaned my life up. He changed me. He said, I don't want you living like that, looking like that, acting like that, dressing like that. You're a child of God now. You live different. That's what God told me. So you know what I try to do? I try to live different. Amen. I don't have any tattoos or any wounds, amen, and scars from that old life. But am I supposed to look like a thug to win a thug? Am I supposed to become a pimp to win the harlots? No. Am I supposed to get me a hot rod and burn rubber off my tires to go out there and show a guy that I'm still hip and I'm still cool? Hello. I don't think God wants me to be hip. I think he wants me to be holy. Amen. Amen? Yeah. He said, be ye holy as I'm holy. He didn't say, be ye cool as I'm cool. Amen. Listen, I know that rubs everybody wrong because we want to fit in the world. Yeah. We want to fit in and we want to be accepted by the world. I'd rather be accepted by Him. Amen, amen. I'd rather Him accept me and have fellowship with Him than be accepted by this world. Yeah. I'd rather have a message and say, Hey, the water's fresh on this side. Amen. 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 Yeah. Hey, there's hope over here. There's a difference. Amen. The water's fine. I got good bread. Come on over. Yep. He'll change your heart, your thoughts, your mind, your life. It's good. Come on. Amen. I go to bed with a sound mind. You know what it says in Ecclesiastes in the book of Proverbs? He giveth his beloved sleep. Yeah. I have no problem sleeping. Do I? I mean, I, I'm a speedy sleeper. Hey, Amen. You let my head start thinking about sleep. <clears throat> I mean, I can, hit, I can go to sleep just about before my head hits the pillow. And when I go out, it's out. She can do whatever she wants to do in the house. I'm, I'm, I'm gone. Why? Because he gives his beloved sleep. Hello? I'm beloved. <laughs> Amen. I ain't got nothing to keep me up at night. I ain't got a guilty conscience to keep me up. Hello? All that's been washed away in the blood. I've been forgiven. Listen, there's something different about my life. And I want everybody to know it's different. It's good. People say, yeah, but you're too straight-laced. Straight as a gate. Narrow as a way that leadeth on to life. Can I give you something and I'm done? Amen. This ain't got nothing to do with the early morning message. And I can't draw. Little gate, fence post, right? Fence post. And then they got fence here, another fence post, right? And they got they got the chain link fence. Hello, you with me? Huh? Got a fence post. 
getting quick and sloppy. Got a chain link fence. Amen. And the Lord says, you got a little latch here and a latch there. And the fence is latched. Hello, you with me? Yeah. Alright. Straight is the gate and what? Yeah. Narrows the way. The average, the average gate is, is uh, 36 inches wide. The average gate. Amen. Broad is the way to lead destruction. Narrow is the way to lead on to life. Straight is the gate. Narrow is the way. We've got a bunch of people that agree with that. It's preaching in Christianity. But you know what they want to do? They want to fight over that dimension right there. They want to fight over how narrow this gate is. And then they're, they're trying to make that thing so narrow. And they're fighting about how, where you got in and the gate at. Yeah. Amen. When a sinner comes in and he gets saved. Yeah. Come on. Huh? Did you say, I put faith in your blood? Well, you didn't get it. It's not straight enough. Did you say, I mean, how'd you pray? What'd you pray? Hello? Listen, how many tears did you cry? How long were you on the altar? There's people timing you. He really didn't mean it. He wasn't down there half hour. Well, I'm, just, I'm just being facetious there. But I'm telling you, people judge on what type of repentance you had by the size of crocodile tears you shed. And then it all depends upon the man how he performed when you preached. If they didn't judge the Holy Ghost on the man and you got saved, well, you couldn't have got saved. It had to be in the flesh because we didn't esteem the Holy Ghost upon the man. He didn't hack when he preached, so possibly he couldn't have got saved. When he, he used notes. If you're filled with the Holy Ghost, you'll never use notes. And so you couldn't have got saved because you used notes. Listen, and we got all these men and people fighting about where at in this little 30 inch, 36 inch gate where you were standing when you went through the gate and they're trying to judge and split hairs on how you get in that narrow gate and most of our preaching anymore is fighting over how to get in that gate yeah. and Jesus is the way, the truth and the life yeah, come on. no man cometh unto the Father but by him and we got churches splitting and people leaving churches yeah. because this little opening right here wasn't straight enough for them Come on. Wow. Amen. That's right. Amen. Amen. I'm telling you, they're taking a hair and splitting it 30,000 different ways. Yeah. We need to shun all that garbage. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the life. And I came to him, amen, through his shed blood by his death and burial and resurrection. It didn't matter if I was on one knee, two knees, sitting down. Amen. The bottom line is I exercised faith in the facts that I was going to hell and I trusted what his son did and I called upon him and received him and I've been born in the family of God. Amen. Yeah, come on. Somebody tell me I didn't get saved because I didn't cry. Wow. Show me that in the Bible. Amen. <laughs> I've done a lot of crying since. Yeah. I like what Buddy Blunkall said. Did you repent? He said, I've been repenting ever since. Amen. Amen. I'm in the gate. I don't care how you want to split hairs after I'm inside the gate. But people are splitting hairs over that gate. I'm in the narrow way. Amen. Somebody told Danny Farley, said, you can't get saved if somebody was witnessing to you out of a new ASV or an NIV. Danny Farley said the guy that wanted him to God was quoting a new ASV. Danny Farley looked at him and said, tell me I'm not saved. Danny Farley is one of the most touched preachers out there. He's a preacher's preacher. Yep. Well, corruptible seed. You don't want to go with Danny Farley on that one. No. Danny Farley's in. Oh, yeah. And the guy that led him to Jesus Christ was using a new American Standard Version. He's an exception that proves the rule. Yeah. But they want to fight and argue about that gate where he fit in that gate and they say he didn't fit in that gate because he didn't come in their way right. <laughs> I think there's too much fighting over that kind of junk yep. I think like I said the other day we got too many preachers sitting around 20-30 years in their theology trying to figure out how people are supposed to get in they didn't get saved exactly the way they theologically say they ought to there's a preacher over in Indiana that got saved and then supposedly 20 years later, 30 years later, he gets saved. And now, and then he put a bunch of stuff out there on sermon audio and all these other kind of things that people ain't telling you how to get saved right. And then his, his 
friend had to try to straighten him out and comb the kinks out of his hair about that thing. There's a bunch of preachers I know of that's been re-saved since they've been saved because they didn't get saved the right way and now they've got to get saved theologically according to this new way since they've studied the Bible. You know what that does? That's retreadism. You know what retreadism does? Retreadism, amen, you'll never get that tire balanced. They may blow and pop at any time and retreads are a mess. Amen. They're up and down, in and out. You better get them treaded right to begin with. And we got a bunch of people out there that's wanting to retread everybody. And they're wanting to get them retreaded and go through this narrow gate their way. You better be careful. You want to know the sign of a cult? A cultist, a cultist seeks to win people's converts. A Christian seeks to win sinners to Christ. A true Christian goes out and tries to win Christian or win converts to Christ, sinners. A cultist, a JW, a Mormon, a Baptist go out to try to win somebody else's converts. Amen. I'm not saying you can't win a Roman Catholic or a Church of Christ or somebody to Jesus. I'm not saying you can't do that to show them that they're lost. But a cultist will spend all their time trying to win my converts, your converts to Jesus, to their way of thinking and their beliefs. Mormons and JWs love going to church house to house on Wednesday nights when they're supposed to be in Baptist churches. And they love praying on backslid Baptists that won't go to church. And they build their denomination off a of backslid Baptist that don't study their Bible. Amen. You gotta be careful, men. That's all they want to do is reconvert somebody else's converts because they didn't get in the gate the way they thought you ought to get in the gate. I'm leery on all that. If the Holy Ghost convicts somebody they're lost, amen. But I'm very leery ever retreading anybody. I want to get them treaded right. I was gone. I missed a camp meeting at Charity. I was out preaching a youth camp. When I came back, 55 people made a profession of faith one night, the last night of the camp meeting. A bunch of them were, one of them was a preacher. One of them was a missionary to Mongolia. A bunch of them were preacher's kids and, and, and different people, a bunch of Christians, 55 Christians all got resaved. Brother Eastep stood up and made this comment. He said, nobody better talk against whatever happened to the meeting tonight. I'm not throwing rocks, I'm not throwing stones, but there's something wrong when 55 professing Christians all get resaved. Something ain't right about that. It's not natural. Yeah. Amen. Somebody quotes B.R. Lakin and says, 90% of our Baptist churches are lost. I got a problem with that. Amen. A guy can't go out there and win people to Jesus Christ who's got to come into churches and retread everybody. Yep. Calvinists are really good at doing that, coming in and trying to tell you, reconverting you. you listen, we got a lot of people trying to go out and reconvert converts. I ain't trying to reconvert. Now, if the Holy Ghost comes in and he preaches to you and he shows you you're lost like Buddy Blunkall sitting in a church and a guy says, is your name written in the Lamb's Book of Life? And the Holy Ghost walked back, stuck Buddy Blunkall on the chest and said, Buddy, your name's not in the Book of Life. And Buddy ran down the altar, got saved. That's the Holy Ghost doing that. The preacher didn't retread him. You got to be careful on all that kind of stuff. But when the Holy Ghost puts his finger on it, and says you're not saved. I, I run to the altar, get saved. But I ain't gonna try to retread you. I ain't trying to get nobody retreaded. I'm trying to get somebody treaded right. And if they see through the scriptures they're lost, they can run to God. But I am not gonna try to retread people. Amen. I've gone door to door these houses up and down through here and they said, they said, Bridget, I go to such and such church. I said, I ain't trying to steal church members. As long as you know you're going to heaven. Amen. That's what we're out doing. Amen. And I go to the next door. You said, you didn't stand there trying to convert him, drawing in? I ain't interested in doing that. I ain't trying to draw people's sheep out of their churches. I'm not trying to do all that. Amen. We're preaching the truth. People want to come, hear the truth, they're more welcome to come, but I'm not stealing sheep. I'm not trying to reconvert people's converts. I don't make a ministry of that. Never did make a ministry of that going to churches. I would just preach the book and I'd preach the truth. And if somebody got convicted, that's fine. But I would never try to interfere and reconvert somebody else's converts. Say, why? Because that's what a cultist does. Amen. I'm just trying to get sinners saved. And I told a guy this and I'm done. I heard a man say they went and preached somewhere and 80 people walked out and got saved. First time visitors. I said, I've never seen that, never heard of that. I've never been in a church where there's ever been 80 first-time visitors, never heard the gospel, walked out and get saved. I was in a camp meeting, sitting under a great man, and uh, he preached, and 16 people walked out and got saved. I think almost every one of them were people that were already saved, and a bunch of them serving in the church already. Somebody right when you got all these people getting reconverted all the time. 
Right. You understand? I seen a lady in, in uh, Arkansas. Guy got up and preached on believing a false gospel. The lady went forward and got saved. Most miserable person in the whole week in the meeting. Yep. She is serving food over there in the line. Miserable, bitter. Just, just, what happened? You just got saved. You just got converted. Where's the joy? Where's the sunlight? Where's the happiness now that you, you finally got it settled and that weight of sin's now gone? You know what she was doing? She was serving that food. She said, I was made a fool of. I was made an idiot. I went down and I, I, got, I made a reprofession of faith. How stupid I must look in front of all these people. You could tell that was a look and expression on her face. She wasn't sitting there saying, oh, man, I'm saved, man. It's good to be saved, man. I know it now. I know where I'm going. Amen. She, she wasn't up there rejoicing, wasn't happy. She's miserable. You know why? She's retread. Because some preacher got up and said, you couldn't have been saved if you did this, 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 and this. And there's no way you're saved if you did this, 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 this. And goes through this whole list and browbeats somebody and condemns somebody to a place where they're not under conviction, they're under condemnation. I don't have a ministry of condemnation. Amen. I don't believe in putting people under condemnation. The devil will put you under condemnation. The Lord will put you under conviction. Condemnation is there's no way out other than this judgment. The devil wants to put you under that. But old time Holy Ghost conviction will show you there's the cross. Go to him. He'll forgive you. He'll take care of it. He'll erase it all. And you run to Calvary. And Calvary will put you, amen, and set you free. God ain't trying to condemn you. You're condemned already. Amen. Brother Nick, you dismiss us in prayer, please. Father.